Thank you so much for being here this morning. Sorry we don't have any fans going and the air conditioning isn't rocking here. It's a little bit uh, toasty, warm. Oh, oh my goodness. That's crazy. Well, it's, uh, it's Father's Day and uh, really lucked out that this uh, next uh, passage of scripture that we're going to be uh, looking at in uh, Psalm 18 is like the perfect Father's Day man victory text. And, uh, you know, Jeremy instituted this great sort of idea that Father's Day sermons, of course, should be a little shorter, keep it in the 20-minute range. I'm not Jeremy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, like, how could I bless the fathers with less Bible? You know, that's not, that's not good. We're going for more Bible. So just settle in for an hour or so, and we should be good to go. Uh, no, it, it's, it's good. It's good to be here on Father's Day. We've been looking at this, uh, this passage uh, Psalm 18, as uh, part of David's story, uh, you know, often with the Psalms, you'll see that they sort of coincide with a part of his life where he's telling his story as he worships God and talking about his interaction with God through the story. And of course, this is a famous King David, who is king over, over Israel. And, and uh, this particular part of his story uh, really takes us from the moment that David was anointed as king uh, until the moment where he actually became king, which was quite a long time. David had an incredible journey of running and hiding in the hills and oppression and uh, Saul trying to kill him and, and fighting battles and being in this place where uh, the authority that God had given him, the place that God had given him through the prophet Samuel was different from the reality that we, he was walking in. And, and it's really the story of, of salvation and what that meant for David, how God uh, saved him, how God transformed him. And these psalms always have a structure to them. I talked about that a few weeks ago where uh, if you're reading one of these really long psalms, this is 50 verses, you'll often hear David saying, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then he might say to God, this was done, this was done, this was done. And then he might say, God, you are doing this, you are doing this, you are doing this. And so you always are looking at the pronouns and how they're shifting to see what are the sections of the psalm, break it down into pieces that we can understand. And these are the pieces that we identified as we looked at the, at the psalm. David introduces uh, the situation. He cries out to the Lord. The Lord hears him. The Lord responds. The Lord fights for him. The Lord delivers him. Uh, he reflects on it all. Uh, he, he reflects on God's place in the journey. He describes his new reality. And then he gives at the very end, and this is where we're at in the story today, uh, this incredible declaration of victory. And, uh, and, and, and he gives some time to celebration and praise. But just to sum up really those first sections, this is where we were at on the first week of this little mini-series. We, we began to see God as David saw God, as a God who was going to really authentically hear him. Like not a God who is distant, not a God who is far away, but a God who, it says, from his temple God hears. That means that God heard the cries, and, and we saw in the scriptures really, really honest cries of David. Uh, God hears them in the holy place. God doesn't like hear them and see them like they're up on a screen and he's aware of them and he's got a long list of them and he's got some app to sort them by priority and he's going to deal with them that way. But God hears them in his temple. He hears them in the place of worship. He hears them in a place of intimacy. And it says a little bit further on in 18.6 that they enter his ears. So our honest cries to the Lord 
deeply enter into him and they affect him. And we saw this sort of radical reaction of God that is an unexpected reaction when you think of God if you imagine that God is a supercomputer. But God, his wrath rises up. His anger rises up. He responds to your suffering and he responds to your pain with passion. And then his passion moves him to act. And we talked about how uh, God acted on the cross to deal with all of that. And then David goes on to reflect on the situation and describe, well, what is it about God who saved me? Why did he deliver me? Like, what, what is this all about? We see all of this self-reflection in David. And we came to this idea in the text. It says, he rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord rescued me because he delighted in me. You know, I imagine when God rescues me, it's like, oh, you jerk, you did it again. Like, come on, give me a break. Like, didn't you read this in the Bible? You know, like, like that's sort of the attitude we imagine God has to us. But, but he just is authentically delighted when we cry out to him. So often we resist calling out to God for help because we are covered in shame or we're covered in a sense of guilt or we have something inside of us that, that just can't imagine that God would actually respond with love to our need. Because uh, we don't always respond that way, but we see in the scriptures, David understood God to be a God that really delighted in him and delighted in hearing from him. And so God saves David, and we know in the story uh, how that happened, that ultimately King Saul, who was persecuting him, uh, died, uh, and David was ultimately crowned as king. But how does David then describe that situation? How does David celebrate that victory? How does he see that victory? What does victory mean for David? And that's what we're going to dig into just a little bit this morning. And I promise you I'm not going to do 27 words in Hebrew today. Um, so let's just read this together. You make your saving help my shield. And some of these things will sound really weird to uh, 20th century uh, modern Canadian ears. But, but this, is, this is what was in the heart of David. And we'll, we'll explain that. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as wind-blown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. That doesn't sound very Canadian. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. That doesn't sound very Canadian either. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me. Who saves me from my enemies, you exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love 
to his anointed and to David and to his descendants forever. He declares victory and he praises God. Unashamedly, unabashedly, he celebrates the victory of God in his life. Now, how many of you are feeling just like that? <laughs> right? That doesn't feel like where we're at. And some of those things he say, says are, are like boastful and brash and sounding arrogant and sounding, uh, they make us uncomfortable, don't they? But David knew what, what Paul knew, that it is okay to boast in the Lord. It is okay to boast in the Lord. It is okay to celebrate. Now, every Sunday morning, or most Sunday mornings, we start out at OVV. We say, welcome to OVV, where we're all people with messes of lives, right? We say that, that with, with quite a bit of familiarity. If you've been there for, here for a long time, you know that that's, it. that's part of what we do. And I've heard, like, time and time and time again, and even, even last night, I heard somebody say to me, like, man, I, I just love that this is a place where we can be weak. I just love that this is a place where we can, we can struggle, where we can wrestle, where we don't have to be perfect, where we don't have to have it all together. I want to say to you that this declaration of victory isn't inconsistent with that. It's not inconsistent with that. Right? David starts in a place of crying out to God. How many of you have a place in your life where you're crying out to God? But don't you have also have places in your lives where you want to shout out the victory that God has given you? And so we have to be a church of the both and. We have to be a community of the both and, declaring the victory of the Lord, not boasting in ourselves or in our own strength, but boasting in what the Lord has done. Boasting in what the Lord has done. And we know that that sort of triumphalism doesn't sit well with, with unbelievers. It doesn't sit well with our culture. If it's not mixed with the cry of our hearts, it, it sounds arrogant and, and foolish and dishonest. But if it's met with honesty and struggle and disclosure of where we're really at, uh, it makes sense of the whole journey. Because we're in a place where the kingdom of God is here, but not yet here in its fullness right? The kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet here in its fullness. We live in the middle, as we've described it before, in the middle of this revolutionary war where the king has come. He has established a seat on the earth through what he did on the cross. Uh, he's seated at the right hand of the father. We see that through the resurrection. And now we're in the middle of a war where his kingship, his rulership begins to take hold in the earth and transform the planet according to his plan. But that work isn't done yet. And so we live in the middle of a battle in this time. That's just how we understand what's going on. But here is what we do in a moment of victory. And here's how we understand those moments of victory. What is victory for King David? Psalm 18, 35 to 50 that we just read, these first two verses are his sort of summary of why he's praising God. You make your saving help my shield. That word there is protection. Your right hand sustains me. It's provision for me. Your gentleness, which is fascinating, has made me great. How about that? The gentleness of the Lord has caused me, that word great is caused me to increase. The gentleness of the Lord has caused me to increase. Not the aggression of the Lord. But the gentleness of the Lord has caused me to increase. Fascinating that David ties those things together. You provide a broad path, direction for my feet, so that my ankles do not give way. 
So where are we at in our journey with God? Where do we need his protection, his provision, his increase, his direction? And where is he giving and has he given us his protection, his provision, a sense of increase, and a clear direction? That's what that broad path for our feet means, is he's going to let us walk in a way that we know we're walking so that our ankles don't stumble and we don't fall off the path. So what I'm going to do, just to make this a little more interactive, I'm going to just ask us to bow our heads now and just close our eyes for just a moment and just ask the Lord that question, where do you need it and where has he given it? Because we want to be aware of our own situations. I could provide umpteen examples, but will the Lord provide illustrations to us as individuals? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord, where do we need protection, provision, increase, direction? Where do we need to be saved? And Lord, give us a, a gift to actually in our hearts celebrate the ways you saved us. Speak to us, Lord. Proclaim your deeds to us. Amen. 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 So this next section, David goes on and he's talking about his victory over his enemies. And this is like, he's not pulling any punches here. Let me just read this again. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. And I just love this. I beat them as fine, wind-blown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. Who are your enemies? Who are your, who, like, who are your real enemies? What are the enemies that you want the Lord to put under your feet? Fear. Fear. What else? What are your enemies? Depression. Depression. Bob. Apathy is a huge enemy, right? Chris was talking about that earlier today. Like, like just like, let's let life happen to us. But no, grab it. What's, what's, what's the call that Lord is calling us to do? How to seek him? How to, how to be led by him? What, what are our enemies? Porn is an enemy, right? Pornography is an enemy of men. Addiction is an enemy of men. What are the enemies that you struggle with, men? Like, what are the enemies? Like, what are your real enemies? Greed, right? They're real enemies. So now I want you to stand up with me, and we're going to read this again, and we're going to declare the victory of the Lord. Everybody, men, women, let's stand up. Let's read this. This is the, this is the ultimate destination. And then we're looking again, we're looking ahead to this time when Jesus comes, the kingdom comes, and then the kingdom comes in its fullness. This is, this is the, what we're going to declare over everything. It says in, in 2 Corinthians, and the last enemy to be defeated is, is death itself, right? When the resurrection comes. But let's read this. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. 
Shout it out. That's great. You can be seated. Is that a little hard to read? Is that hard? That's hard to read, right? But, but this is what David expected and foresaw and experienced in his life and understood in terms of victory. Those things that are constant sin patterns that we deal with, those things that are constant habits, constant struggles, constant enemies uh, in our lives are things that are meant to be ultimately under our feet. And it doesn't feel like reality right now, like there's some stomping still to do, Right? But this is, this, is, this is the way Jesus wants us to live. This is what Jesus wants for us going forward. All starting again through the honesty of the honest cry to the Lord and his powerful hand rescuing us, right? So this last section, you've delivered me from uh, the attacks of the people. You've made me the head of nations. The people I did not know now serve me. All of this, isn't that, isn't that uncomfortable? to read, but, but what, is, what, what is the main idea here? Translate David's experience now into our experience. Where and who is God calling you to lead? That's all about leadership, isn't it? It's all about David being established by God now that he's been set free, not just set free to hang out, not just set free to uh, enjoy, which is, which is a, a piece of it. I mean, it, it's amazing to be set free from something. But doesn't the God then, as he sets us free, call us to lead? So, so let's have another moment. Again, we're trying to be highly interactive here. Let's bow our heads for a moment and just listen to the Lord. Where are areas that you're called to lead, that you've been afraid to lead? Let's just listen to the Lord. And Lord, we don't want to be bombastic or rude or arrogant, but we know that you save us to cause us to lead in certain areas. Would you release us from false humility? Would the Spirit come in this place and give gifts of confidence to each one? That you would show us a place where we're supposed to take steps to call people forward. Would you release leaders in this place? In Jesus' name. Leaders that follow you, leaders that obey you, but leaders that, that with humility in their hearts and passion to obey actually lead. Be it in the church, be it in the workplace, be it in the family, in the home. Would you release leaders with courage and strength? courage and strength. All right. 
So now David switches modes in the text. He switches to begin to celebrate and to begin to speak to the Lord and begins to praise God. He says this, he says, the Lord lives. And again, he's summarizing his story for the last uh, years of his life. He's now free. He's now uh, set up uh, to be king of Israel. Lots of challenges ahead of him. He says, the Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. That's his story. The Lord rescued him from Saul. So the Lord has done all this. Therefore, I will praise you, O Lord. I will praise you among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. Now, who are David's descendants? You are David's descendants. Who sits on David's throne? Jesus. Whose kids are you? Jesus' kids, right? That's where you belong. That's where we are. So many of us wrestle with a sense of defeat, a sense that some of us have been locked in stuff for so long. And the Lord just says, cry out to him. He wants you to be set free. He just wants you to be set free. Let's just stand together. Just raise your hands and just begin to praise God. Just praise Him. You're holy, God. You're awesome. You're worthy. You save us. You forgive us. You, you bless us. Release chains. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. We declare that you are victory. And we commit ourselves to praise. We commit ourselves to lives of thanks. We commit ourselves to lives of praising you, not only in the quiet of our closet, of our rooms, but to praising you among the nations. That we would be people who sing our testimony in our workplaces, in our schools, with honesty, without arrogance, but boldly boasting in the victory of God. Set us free to celebrate. Set us free to praise. Yes, Lord. Just pray for a release of hope, Lord.
love you, Jesus.